Welcome to the Remedial Film Class Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Dan. And I'm Travis. And I'm George. We are getting together to discuss movies that we have all seen. But our friend George, for whatever reason, has not. And we mean everybody out there (laughs) except for George. Like every movie everybody has ever seen except for George. So we're going to try to figure out what movies he has seen. And then what movies he has not seen, and we are going to break his stones about these great classics that he has not seen. George, you, you are aware of the structure of movies. You knew that they existed, but you really haven't seen very many. And the ones you did see, you may not remember. Well, it brings me to this question, George. Have you ever seen Bob Zemeckis' Back to the Future? <laughs> um, Don't hurt me. Don't hurt me. But no. No, this was actually, this movie was the straw that broke the camel's back. <laughs> because, because we had, we've had this conversation before, mm-hmm. me and Travis, and me and you, Dan, you know, about movies. And, and I just, at some point I said, stop, because, you know, this is going to be a podcast. Let's save our reactions for the podcast, right? And we said that for, I mean, how long have I been saying that for? Two years? With me, a lot longer. There was a day, about two weeks ago, Dan, I don't even remember what you said to me. I mean, I stopped and said, yeah, I, I haven't seen that. And you were like, what? And I was like, this, has to, this madness has to end. It has to end. It, it, <laughs> so, um, so yeah, this, this movie I have not seen. And like I said, this is the straw that broke the camel's back. I need to watch this movie. And if I'm going to watch this movie, might as well do a podcast about it. This is, uh, this is a good start. So there we are. Episode one of the Remedial Film Class podcast is going to be George tackling the original Back to the Future. Now, before we let you go watch the movie, we have to ask, George, mm-hmm. what do you know about this movie? I mean, I am, I am hip. So, uh, I mean, I get the references, like, you know, on social media and whatnot. You know, I do know that, what is it, a DeLorean involved? There's a DeLorean. With a uh, with flux capacitor, which is funny because I know what flux and capacitors do, <laughs> um, and they don't time travel, but that's... This one uh, does. You know, 88 miles an hour. I don't... I mean, they have to go into the future, right? Because there was a hoverboard involved. Um, They have to go to the past because they hadn't heard Chuck Berry yet. I don't even know if that's the first... I don't even know if all that's the first movie. Well... You're but, you're playing around with a movie that has been around for thirty plus years, so there and it's been part of basically our culture. So you are you are going to mix a few things from all three movies, but uh, mainly we're going to be dealing with just the first one. Okay, I couldn't tell you the plot of the first movie. Right. I, you know, I'm sure I've seen it like scenes here and there. It's been on TV, but I, I couldn't I couldn't tell you. Can you tell me why it's called Back to the Future? Because if you go back, wouldn't you be going to the past? I mean, just off the top of my head, could you could you have like uh, overshot the runway and went too far? I feel like I don't know. Quote from Seven here, where John Doe says, "I feel I should tell you something, but I don't want to ruin the surprise." Yeah, so <laughs> that's how I feel right now because there's <laughs> there's so much. Like I watched it today, and and I just. 
it's as great as you remember. It 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 holds up. It definitely holds up, and it's it's a near perfect movie. But I don't want to skew what you feel because you could watch it and be like, "This is crap," which I doubt we'll say. But you just never know. Like, there's just so much nostalgia in that movie. It was made in 1985. I was 10 years old. I remember vividly that time of my life. So, yeah, for somebody who's watching it for the first time, they might not have that kind of nostalgia. But you might fall in love with it. It might become your favorite movie. We don't know. Or, and not to play devil's advocate because I I can't stand those guys, uh, but... And keep in mind, I was also made in 1985, so I've always felt a connection to this movie. And I can remember basically every year of my childhood watching a taped-off TV version of this, you know, 1992 until I got it on DVD, right? Every every couple of months watching this movie, playing with my action figures as a kid. Love this movie. It's in my DNA. But I have a problem with this movie. A big problem. And I'm not going to bring it up now. We'll save that for part two. But I did say it was near perfect. I have one really, really big issue with this movie. But the rest of it's great. Okay. Well, I mean, we all do that. We find something in a movie and we're like, wow, how did that happen? This is a pretty big issue, though. Is it? Okay. I can't wait. (laughs) But the rest of it is so good. I guess that's that's my homework then. Okay. So here's what we're going to do, class. Uh, Everybody that wants to. Go check out that movie. Uh, you might want to pause right here because we're going to cut to part two pretty soon. In real life, uh, George is going to go stream Back to the Future, and he's going well, to love it. But, but how much is he going to love it? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna right. to take it in. Yeah. I'm excited. Finally. Let's get to work. Well, George, you did it. I did. <laughs> you completed it. I did. You finished it. I did. You did the thing. <laughs> You're my special boy. <laughs> <laughs> Just uh, like a half an hour ago, for the first right. time, I watched this. Uh, I watched. Uh, what did you the watch? The movie, um, Back to the Future. Back to yeah. the Future. Nice. For the first time ever. First time ever. And what? Yep. It's 2020. 2020. 2020. Yeah. It came out in 1985. So you're 35 years late, but... <laughs> Welcome All to right. the club. You get the bumper sticker on the way out. <laughs> you thought that was great. Just wait till you hear hair metal. <laughs> yeah, way to catch up. <laughs> I'm going to tell you about a band named Poison. <laughs> they're, they're new, he's, I think. <laughs> he's not ready for that yet. Not ready for But his poison. kids are going to love it. His kids are going to mm. love it. I get that. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> so an, hour, George, an hour ago I wouldn't have got that yeah there's so many references he's now gonna get so George we have to we have to hear it now we're not gonna interrupt him right we're just gonna let him either gush or or massacre our dreams and then then we'll talk about it then we'll debate exactly okay. This, okay. Is, this is your forum George we are going to step back stop rambling and let you tell us about this movie you just saw yeah absolutely uh, you know obviously you don't get very far into the movie uh, before you realize or at least before I realized um, why it's called that, but like they pretty much set it up, you know, pretty pretty obviously. Like, you know, he had to get out of there. He was, you know, he only had one vial of plutonium. Like, he wasn't coming back. I mean, obviously he was gonna try and get back. So that's why it's Back to the Future. 
So you're saying you you approve of the title of the movie? Absolutely. That's, okay, so uh, <laughs> that's a start. Yeah, I lived my entire life thinking that both like Doc and and Marty went together. Okay. I had no idea. Oh, great. That it was just like just Marty that took the trip. Right there, I was like, okay, well, everything I think I know about this movie is wrong, mm-hmm. which was cool because I wasn't sure how surprised I was going to be because it's everywhere. But luckily, I was. It's always good to to be surprised. So I guess fast forward to you get that feeling in your stomach when his mom's coming on to him. And you're like, Ooh. a little icky. It's a little icky. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <'cause>... So <laughs> kind of like, uh, but you know what? It, you know what it was like. It reminded me of an episode of, of uh, Seinfeld. Yes. Like where like things are going wrong and like they just keep getting worse and and you know you're just. You're just along for the ride, but you get that, like, not in your stomach, like, oh, God. Yeah, and then That's the, what ul- that was like. the ultimate twist is, like, the whole space-time continuum where, you know, you're erasing your own future. Oh, yeah. So that makes it tense. Yeah. Yeah, as soon as, like, he pushed his dad out of the way of the car, I was like, oh, shit, here it goes. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you know? Yeah, it, it, it played out exactly how it, I thought it would after that, you know, instead of it being his dad who falls in love with the, you know, or... With, instead of her falling in love with uh, George mm-hmm. uh, McFly, she falls in love with Marty, and and you're like, and I just knew it was going to happen, like that, you know, because right. she told the story, and you're like, okay, well, it's a parallel story, but you change the person who gets hit by the car, that's what happens. Changes everything, right? And then that's why Doc flips out the whole movie, <laughs> right? When he's like, you can't do that because this and this and this, <laughs> and he's right. And right. what's funny is when I, when I watched it recently, I thought to myself, the theme of time starts from the very beginning and i totally forgot about that you know the whole opening scene with the clocks and then marty's late and you know doc uh makes his whole experiment was that all the clocks at once were going to be 25 minutes late Mm -hmm. which made him late and he's always late (laughs) but it to me the word i wrote down was foreshadowing like the whole first 20 minutes is just foreshadowing for everything else that's going to happen. Mm-hmm. But the foreshadowing does not stop until the credits roll. Like the whole time they're telling you this means something. Yeah. And when you watch it again, you're going to realize how much they set up. Yeah. And you're going to go, Oh my God. Honestly, I, I planned on watching it multiple times right. before we and recorded this. And, and I will, I'd be able to study the movie. But um, this was kind of like spur of the moment. Like I finished it and I texted you and you were like, I wish you could do it right now. I was like, let's do it right now. Let's do it. This is a pop so, quiz, man. Yeah. <laughs> We're not looking at the midterm. This is a pop quiz on Back to the Future. Yeah. Not even open book. So getting back to the, uh, you know, how the, you know, how the past affects the future and all that jazz. Like, you know, you see the signs for the politician who's running for mayor. Right. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and then like, you know, when he runs into that guy and he's sweeping the floor in mm-hmm. the diner. And it's like, it's kind of like, well, would he even have been running for mayor if he didn't run into Marty? Right. Like, mayor. 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 <laughs> you start cleaning the floors. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he had like big aspirations, but, you know, did he have that aspiration before right. he ran into Marty the time traveler? No. So, well, George, I, did, you I get the, did you get the tab joke? Did that make any sense? The tab joke? The tab Pro- joke. Probably Give me a tab. Not. How can I give you a tab unless you buy something? Oh, um, when, he, when, he, 
when he first George's appears TV. in the uh, yeah 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 I remember, I remember diner. The, yeah I remember the part and he says how am I going to give you a tab if you don't buy something right there's an old soda called, called tab. tab okay but it's yeah. not old enough for a 1955 diner owner to know what a tab is because it's from like the six seventies eighties. Okay. Yeah, it was Diet Coca-Cola. Right. Actually, you can still buy it today. It's just called Coke Zero. Coke Zero. Right. Okay. All right, hold so on. So a hold tab on. is a brand of hold soda. On. So is that your is that your big problem with the movie? No. No, I love it. <laughs> oh, okay, okay, okay. <laughs> it ruined everything. <laughs> Growing up, my aunt was a big tab drinker. Somehow she found it up through the time of Coke Zero. Like she still had tab at her house. And I don't Do know. Do you where think it that's came what from. they meant when they wrote it? Like how yeah, no, tab was like a real like popular beverage. Yeah, but you don't ages. have a you don't have a tab unless you buy something. Technically, so the, the diner owner knows you got to order something right. before he knows you a tab like a bartender would know a tab. Right. Uh, Marty's from the eighties, so that's why he says. Oh, so he asks for a tab. He asks for a tab. Give me a tab. Well, oh, I got, thought I he can't... was. I, I thought he was asking to start a tab. That's no. why I brought it up. I had right. a feeling. Yeah. No, I didn't. Yeah. Totally no, because then he head. says, "Well, give me a Pepsi free." And he's like, "You got. You yeah, got to pay over, for it." It went over my head. Yeah. <laughs> Just give me something without. Just sugar. give me something without sugar. <laughs> yeah. And he gives him. Gives him coffee. <laughs> or coffee. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, George is the milk drinker, not not Marty. No, so that went that went over my head. Yeah, uh, there's a lot of jokes in that movie that are specific to the '80s mm-hmm. that when you you kind of take for granted because my kids wouldn't know what a tab was. Either tab. No. My my kids don't know what a tab is, drink wise and or you know, collection of of orders. Yeah. To be paid for, they don't know either of those terms. How did you feel when you watched it? When it was over. How when did, it was over. Yeah. How, how what I, was your feeling? Okay. I all right. So when it was over, I know that Doc doesn't die. Right. Because there's Back to the Future two and three. Okay. So. I was wondering how that was going to work. How are we going to get Doc not to die? Okay. Right? And obviously he can go back, and, and he did exactly what I would have done, which is, you know, set the clock sooner, and get, you know, and then as soon as you get to the parking lot, tell the guy, like, we got to get out of here. We can't mm-hmm. do this right now. Right? Because I already went to the past and I'm back. Right? right? I wouldn't have thought of the fact that that screws the whole thing up, because now I'm in two places. I'm in the same place twice. Right. And that's, I didn't even think of that. But, you know, they touched on that brilliantly. Mm-hmm. But then, you know, when, when, you know, when Doc wasn't dead and it was like, you know, and, and, you know, he wore a bulletproof vest. I don't remember what the, the note said. It didn't say he was going to be shot or, or he just said he was going to be killed by terrorists or something like that. Yeah. I don't remember what it said. But like, I don't know. A vest really isn't like a guarantee. So, okay, he got lucky. Yeah. I I look at it as he had, he probably t- the tape on the letter looked very old, like as a comic book collector, mm-hmm. I know what old Scotch tape looks like, mm-hmm. and when you're looking at twenty five to thirty years on a piece of paper, taking on UV and all that stuff, it becomes brown and kind of mm-hmm. crusty, and that letter looked like that, so I'm assuming that Doc taped that thing together pretty quickly after. Marty left. So he had 30 years, 25 years to really think about that night and what was going to happen. And did the letter specifically say, I don't, I don't recall Did it specifically say on the night that I time traveled yes. okay. on the night. And he mentions that you will, you will be gunned down by terrorists. 
Okay. Well, it doesn't. It doesn't. It doesn't matter because I thought a, a little. A part of me was like, well, I mean, this it's kind of cheesy, but okay. Right. Yeah, Doc can't die, but I thought we could have. We could have thought of something better than that. Right. You know, something having to do with like actually solve the thing through time travel or like through the tools that we had. Right. Not like bring up the surprise tool like, oh, I wore a vest today because I did actually look at the note. Um, and then and the other thing I thought was, why the hell does he come back the next day? Why does he set the the thing to come back to Marty the next day? And they showed up in his driveway, but mm -hmm. it whatever. I mean, he's got to know Marty's got to see that sweet truck because if he doesn't see that sweet truck, <laughs> he's not going to want to help me by coming back to save his kids or whatever That's he says true. at the end there. That is a sweet truck. I wanted that truck for years. There was there were other things that I I kind of as soon as they happened like when Biff knocked on the door instead of George I was like oh well I mean George is on the way and and you know so obviously you, you caught on to the foreshadowing before like oh I knew I knew you, that you knew George had to stand up to Biff right. at that point because otherwise Marty wouldn't you know exactly. yeah exactly <clears throat> so knowing how, that Marty continues on after this movie. That has to work out in some way. So there's going to be right. a confrontation between Biff and and uh, Marty's dad. I think that George. foreshadowing was lazy on purpose because the real twist was not realizing how much. Because when Doc says uh, Marty comes up to him, he's like, "My dad stood up to to Biff. He's yeah. never done that before in his life." He's like, and in then his Doc's life? like, "In his life." So he's he like, knew. Yeah, that's going to change. That's going to change yeah. things. Mm -hmm. And I think that was the bigger reveal than Biff being stood up to. I think you saw that coming. Uh, oh yeah, oh yeah. But and, the and bigger no, reveal, my, it started. It, the cogs in my mind went immediately right. when it was Biff knocking on the car. I was like, okay, George stands up to Biff. George and Biff's entire relationship from here on out is totally different. Right. Right. And how's that going to look? Right. In the future. And that's that's again the foreshadowing. Like everything you watch in the beginning happens in the middle and happens in the mm -hmm. end, but it all happens differently. Yeah. But so familiar that you're like, I know he's gonna. It's, do this. It's beautiful. Yeah, it really it's is. It's very well written, I yeah. think. I, I, liked, I liked it a lot. But I do wonder, and I, I worry, that because you know that there are you know, later parts, yeah. that you missed out on that emotional response where you go, oh God, their entire plan is ruined, <laughs> <laughs> and George is a dead man, right? Mm, like, yeah. You're supposed to have that, that moment of like, oh no, and because you knew there were sequels, right. I think your initial reaction was, oh, that's clever. But they're going to get out of it. Because they're going to get out of it. Right. Well, I don't know. I, I watch movies today like that. Like, oh, this is the main character. They're not going to die. Right. That's you know? true. Unless they're on The Walking Dead or something. You they're really got to... That's okay. So that can be some of your homework for next week. Try to watch the movie like a human being. <laughs> <laughs> but what's funny is that when you watch it again, you're going to catch a lot of the things that you're not mentioning right now. Mm-hmm. But you're going to uh, realize how genius some of it is. And uh, after we hear what Dan's problem is, I'll be able to either eat crow or not. But I, I, I personally think it's almost perfect. I think there's some things that could be fixed. Mm -hmm. But for being a 30-plus year old movie, it still holds up. It's still relevant. It's dated, but it's dated purposely. Mm -hmm. Like that whole 50s. Yep. I sat and watched that one time with my dad, and that was, that was my dad's life. So he grew up, he graduated high school in 65. So that was kind of his life. And when he's watching it, he's seeing the cars, he's seeing 
mm-hmm. you know, the attitudes and he, he knew people like Biff. He probably was Biff as far as I know. Like yeah. he knew people like George. He probably put people like George in lockers. Like that's, he watched that movie from a different nostalgia than I watched it. Sure. Because I'm watching it as a kid from the eighties and he's watching it as a kid from the sixties. And, uh, we're both having the same experience. Yeah. But for different reasons. Yeah. And now that I'm, you know, I just watched it with my kids at 45. I know my kids are not catching half the stuff that right. is, is in that movie, but mm-hmm. they, they still enjoy it. Like my son is enjoying the skateboard stuff. Well, you have that. to, you have to make them understand. Right. It. <laughs> so it's, but they know, they know their pop up. So they know yeah. that, that time period. And yeah. I'll, I'm very good at, making sure that they understand history and, and nostal- why things are nostalgic and why things are, they live on forever. And that kind of movie does that because, you know, you think of movies like Goonies and, you know, Stand By Me, whatever, like they tap into people's childhood. Yeah, absolutely. So even if you're 70, you're watching this movie as a kid. And I think that's why that movie works in so many levels because it's not playing just in my nostalgia but it's playing on my dad's and my grandfather you know they see the principal and the principal hasn't changed in 30 years yep you know the school's clean they show <laughs> it in the beginning with graffiti all over yeah. it. They show, like they they've they've really captured the 50s even mm-hmm. with chuck berry's and uh, marvin berry's band his cousin yeah his cousin or whatever yeah and his cousin right you know that that whole dance feel like everything just clicked i I agree. I can't believe that I'm, that I'm as old as I am, and that I just I just watched that. I cannot <laughs> believe it. It's it is, it's crazy. I wanted to mention that this movie has a, a particular kind of value that you don't find in a lot of media. I mean, you can find it here and there in timepieces, uh, Happy Days, uh, that '70s mm-hmm. show, because it, they come out at a time that they affect the youth who are watching these products, but they're always geared just as much to the parents of those mm-hmm. children, and mm-hmm. so you get this interesting inter generational like melding where suddenly you know you and your parents can see eye to eye uh it's just it's a really interesting it's like a valuable art Mm -hmm. versus a lot of the stuff that we're going to talk about where it's just for fun and entertainment but uh it's one of those things when you're a kid i don't know that you register like the ick factor of the mom Mm -hmm. because you're just like oh that's so silly she doesn't know that's her son and then when Mm -hmm. you're an adolescent or a teenager you register the ick factor but for the first time you know, you see your parents and there's a certain like bond there. Cause it's like, Oh my gosh, they went through the same thing and I just never had to see it. Yeah. Thank goodness. Like, oh, you were I my didn't age. have to see it. You've, you've <laughs> told it, me that a hundred times I've been your age, but right. you actually have been. Oh God, you were this age. You did this. <laughs> oh no. Your life was complicated too. And it also, it also plays off of Marty's interpretation of his parents. Like he's like, they talk about how his mother uh, wouldn't do this, wouldn't do that, because she wouldn't allow him to do stuff, and then she winds up being a bit of a right. She obviously was the one crazy. that came on right. to came on to George, and they touch situation. on that really fat, like early, like you realize, oh my god, she's boy crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's why she fell in love with George because she just she falls in love with whatever whatever is yeah. crossing her path at that moment. Yes, whatever and she's emotionally just... connected to. Yeah, and he's stuck. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> It's, yeah, it's, it's really interesting. That's the thing I was thinking when I was watching, I was like, yeah, if they're going to go to that dance together, he's got to convince her to ask him right. to go to that dance together. That's how this is going to get solved. Yeah. I love the whole, you know, how he gets George to get on board. 
I, I said to the boys when we were watching, I was like, you do watch this movie knowing that everything you're seeing is for a reason. Like every single piece of this movie is done for the future scenes. Mm-hmm. So it's all for, that's the premise is foreshadowing. So if you see him wearing something, it's going to come up later while he's wearing it. And, and when he's wearing that fallout suit, you don't know yeah. that he's going to wear it and try to portray an alien. Right. But it comes up like three times. It's on the covers of the magazine, on the comic books. The it's on the, the, end, yeah. the, uh, the magazine he's reading before mm-hmm. he falls asleep. It's on uh, the weird stories, comic book cover, like all that stuff huge in the 50s right. science fiction yeah you know hg wells stuff so to play into that and then do the darth vader thing and, <laughs> yeah, I thought and that was vulcan too. <laughs> it's like he, he's gonna why would you use those names he's gonna be older and you would think george once star wars came out in 77 george mcfly would be like darth what vader the- <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> what the <laughs> Did he have the same dream I had? I love how guitar heavy the movie is. Like from yeah. like from the jump, it's just like you know every guitarist is that is uh, is Marty. He's right. can our I, avatar. Can I tell you how how much I identify with Marty? I was literally sketching on a car last week. That's why I thought you would like it because yeah. he's you. <laughs> I I play the guitar. I sketched on on you know on cars on my skateboard. Yeah. It was funny. I thought it was. I was thinking really like critically when I was first watching the movie. And I was like, you know, when he came, when the car turns and he comes off of it, right. like he should be going a lot faster. And he like comes off the car and he immediately starts pushing the skateboard. I'm like, wow, his bearings really suck in that skateboard. <laughs> and then like the next scene, he drives it into a puddle and I'm like, that's why his bearings suck. They're rusty. <laughs> I was like, they even address that. <laughs> no, I'm just playing. But yeah, it, yeah, it is guitar heavy. And I, and that's, yeah, that's one of the reasons I guess why I, you know, identify with with Marty a little bit. So, Dan, do, are we ready to go into your issues yeah, with it? Yeah, I want to get into I to really Dan's... don't want to ruin this movie for you guys, <laughs> but I've got a serious concern. I don't think okay. you're going to ruin it. So, I'll walk off the set. So Marty has no idea, <laughs> right, that he's about to head back to 1955. Right. He ends up there in a pinch, and he's presented with a very, very awkward problem. Just to summarize, his mom wants to do him and he needs his dad to do his mom so that he can exist. Mm-hmm. But for his dad to do his mom, he's got to dodge his mom and let her hit the dad. Okay? It's like a gravitational situation here. And his plan, plan A, right? Not plan B, not plan Z, not, oh, God, plan A is scrapped, and now we've got to think on our feet. No, 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 no. His... His plan, I know where you're going with plan this. A <laughs> is he's going to molest his mom. <laughs> right. Plan, plan A. Hey, I know what I'll do. I'm going to molest my mom. It's one of those things. It's one of those things where you have politicians who have like their one like really the issue that makes them really mad. Right. And then every problem that comes up, their solution to it is to take care of that thing that makes them mad. Right. right, whether it's border control or any number of hot button issues on either side, it's like, oh hey, uh, too much money in the budget, let's do border control. Hey, not enough money in the budget, border control. Houses on fire, border control. <laughs> too much food, border control. Like, right, it's their and, go-to. And Marty's, oh, molesting stuck in mom, time? molest my mom. <laughs> what? <laughs> Why? 
Why is that an option? Allow someone else to molest my mom. Here's the thing. This movie does such a good job of building up Lorraine as a character who is sheltered and quiet and, you know, presenting herself as this mother who never was a misbehaving woman. He has no reason to suspect. Well, she was an alcoholic, though. Well, yeah, yeah, but... What was she struggling with that she was an alcoholic? But he has no... Well, and that's... That actually, I I think... Yeah. (laughs) there That is a a can of worms that you could open up with Biff Mm. and George. Right. And their relationship, which I think is there on purpose Mm -hmm. at the beginning of the movie, but you don't know it until later. And that's Again, foreshadowing. Very sad. And she feels great at the end of the other movie, so by saving her... That's the... Yeah. Gross. Uh, but anyway, so that part works. I actually, I like the alcoholic her at the beginning because it does. It presents this dark vision of like yeah. what would have happened, you know, with George and Biff and Lorraine, the say hi to your mom for me thing. Like clearly yeah. something yeah. had happened and it's presented in a way that you can show your kids. It's mm-hmm. presented in a way that works, but isn't too gross. But see, I'm that's the funny that. thing. I watched it with my kids and when we got to uh, right before, I guess right before the dance, I looked at my wife and I said, um, maybe we should pause it for a second. And then I talked to her. I was like, how do we explain date rape? Yeah. <laughs> Including date raping your own mother. Uh, like I remember where she's like screaming. He's basically trying to rape her in the car when George opens the door. Um, cause Marty told him to look for a struggle. But when God, he did, he did. He told him, "Hey, he said when I'm doing Plan a, a, you come in and you, no, yeah. Marty, no." And and poor George is like, "Should I swear?" And he's like, "Yes, Christ, George, swear!" Like he right. he's just like, "We're <laughs> gonna get this done. I'm gonna I'm gonna make sure that there's a struggle." Now he never really implies that he's gonna do anything molesting wise. Well, but George says, "So you're going to, to touch, touch her, her on her?" <laughs> and he said, "No." So we'll, we'll give him the benefit of the doubt. He wanted to just make sure there was some kind of a struggle. He didn't realize his mother was the one that was going to throw herself at okay, him. Okay, so I'm going to be devil's advocate here. You're Marty, right? You're 17 right. years old, right? And all you know of your mother is that she's a total stiff. Mm-hmm. Like, that's all you know for 17 years. Now, we're watching the movie as a third person watching the movie, and when, you, when, he, you know, when he goes back and he, it's, you know, you know what happens. Right. The first thing, the interaction is, you, you, we think, third party looking from afar, oh, she's not the way Marty thinks she is. Like, immediately we know it, purposely right? purposely done, right. But he's still Marty. He still thinks of his mom that way. She was born a nun. Right. So there is that. I don't that, think he had any intention of doing anything with her. No, I don't. I, I think my problem is they don't do enough to explain what the plan is. Right. But they cut right to George being like, you're going to touch her on her. And he <laughs> needs to say, he, you needed a more specific answer from Marty there about like, no, I'm just no. going to tell her something really foul or I'm just going to mention my dating history or, you know, right. I'm going to do something that will make this. And then if you set it up like that, right, then you have this wonderful moment where she takes a drink and he's just like, uh-oh, yeah. my plan's not going to work. Now what do I do? Yeah, she's right? racist. You have you introduce chaos, but instead of introducing <laughs> chaos in this, you just you leave it at mom touching, and I'm not yeah. okay with that. No. I had I had more of a problem with again sitting watching it with my kids, a problem with the lunchroom scene when Biff is like, you know what you want, and I'm gonna give it to you, 
you know, that kind of, it was so, like, for a PG movie, I know mm-hmm. it's like 85 PG. Yeah. So it's a little different. But just to hear those words, you know, you know you want it, and I'm going to give it to you. Yeah. You know, it might as well just said, you know, long and hard. Like, it was just so just inappropriate. It's supposed to be. For the but 50s. it really builds yeah. that character, But it builds man. the character, yeah. absolutely. You've got to build a character. So I think uh, the thing with Lorraine is I don't think she... I want to give her the benefit of the doubt as well. I, I think she was more of a front than anything. I think she was kind of trying to do what she thought Marty wanted her to do. I uh, think you're giving her too much credit. Am I? Because that, okay. that undercuts her as a surprising character. Okay. What yeah. that would do, instead, that would reinforce her as this passive, and then it wouldn't be a surprise to him, right? Right. The, whole, the, the effect and like the, the value of that scene for the movie is that, oh, God, she was a teenager just like me once, and mm-hmm. something happened between now and the 80s that made her the way she is, or at least made her think that she had to present herself right. in that way. I think because I've known girls both ways. Like I've known girls that were willing to be what they thought you want them to be, and then once it gets down to it, their, their true colors show, and you're like, you realize, oh, shoot, nothing was ever going to happen. And that's good, because that's what I was looking for. But it's like some people are, like you said, maybe she is that racy, and she was just ready to go. Either way, it, it, it does help the plot along. <laughs> yeah. No, well, I mean, it's, it, it doesn't drag. <laughs> no, that's for sure. Um, the other thing I was going to say about that is it, it, I, I hear what you're saying, like, I'm, I'm thinking of it practical, like, from a practical standpoint, like, you're saying, Marty... You know, Marty, this is Marty's plan A, right? Right. Um, yeah, you, you, I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> it, that's, yeah, that's not plan A. I agree with you, Dan. It, it but, makes me love that first scene even more now that I've talked to Dan. <laughs> because I, it, it's so uncomfortable, but it's just so chock full of foreshadowing. Mm-hmm. And like that, when he says there, what are you looking at, butthead? And then he follows it. Say hello to your mom for me. And it, it right. was so loaded, but you have no idea why it's loaded. Yep. I yeah. know why it's loaded because I've seen it like 150 times. Mm-hmm. But when you watch it for the first time, now that you know the whole story, you're going to watch this movie with a, with a keen eye on the details. Mm-hmm. And you'll realize how heavy a lot of these lines are. That, just that whole dynamic between George and, and Biff in the beginning and then they do the same thing in the diner, but it's not about you know work files. It's about homework. Mm-hmm. Now my dad has told me stories where he, you know, had girls do his homework, or he had people like that was a thing back then. People mm-hmm. paid other people to do their homework. You're gonna get your dad canceled, man. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I love my dad, but yeah, he's a little old school. But when when he tells me those stories, and then I watch that movie, I'm like, okay, yeah, I can see these people and then i realized i went to school with people like this but it was just different they weren't doing each other's homework yeah but they had money schemes going on they were doing this and that but yeah that that whole dynamic you know the mcfly he's banging on his head and then he's like oh your shoes untied like it's it's so cliche it's so cliche bully but there's so much more there right than cliche and you have to watch the whole movie to know why it's so heavy right i'll tell you what when he sat down like when it, as soon as you realize that he's sitting down next to his dad in the mm-hmm. diner, um, I was like, "Get the f out of there, dude!" Like, 
Yeah, don't, cannot, don't ruin you it. You cannot be talking to your dad, bro. Right. Like, you already became Doc Brown. There. <laughs> no, no, seriously. Well, I mean, I guess, I mean, I don't, I don't know how much people talked about tra- time travel in 1985, but mm-hmm. there have been enough movies about this going wrong, and that's how it goes wrong. This is one of the first. You have to understand, George, the reason everybody knows that that is a bad thing is because of this movie. Yeah. Like, right. This no, is, that's what I'm saying. Is, this it be- is, it. is this the first time we've ever addressed this time traveling issue where you could change the is this the first time this is one of the first times where like this is the example when everybody brings up time travel they always bring up this movie i'm gonna have to google that yeah it's it's not not... (laughs) well but really for the sake of this you know this remedial film class there's a difference between the earliest example and the earliest example that caught on in the mainstream right Mm. and i'm having trouble thinking of a movie that hit the mainstream as hard as Back to the Future did as far as like our understanding of time travel. It's right. the Night so, of the Living Dead of time travel, which mm-hmm. you'll have to watch at some point. So in a sense, I my opinion or my knowledge of time travel or my, yeah, my, my knowledge of what you should do when you're time traveling was affected by this movie that I had never seen. Yes. Yes. You yep. were hearing the echoes of our conversations about this movie. Yes. There's so many references. And what's funny is if you get around to seeing the Avengers movies, they make reference to Back to the Future because it's it's kind of a time heist in a way, kind of mm-hmm. mentality in the movie, the plot. And they quickly tell you this ain't Back to the Future. Like they the characters say that. Right. What you know is not what it is. And then they they take over the new way of talking about alternate you know, timelines and, and, you know, broken timelines and this and Mm -hmm. that. And then it kind of gets away from your idea of time travel being screwed up and never like in their mind in back to the future, your, your actions affect your future and that's it. Now they're trying to say in, in movies, it just creates an alternate timeline that are like parallel. Right. So Mm. they've now taken the idea of back to the future or Quantum Leap or whatever, and they've changed it to their idea of what time travel is. Now, that might be more accurate because it's been 35 years. Right. But I'm not sure on the science. Also, uh, real, real, real talk here, real-life time travel. Do you think that the reason why we've never been visited by a time traveler from the future mm-hmm. is because once time travel is invented, we know not to go back? Possible. You know what I just thought of? Like, even if you travel, time travel to the future, you can still screw things up after, like, the future after the future that you go to. Mm-hmm. But that's... Watch the sequel. But here's the thing, George. <laughs> the future after the future wasn't actually the future. It was just a projected future, right? So did right. you mess it up right. or did you set it right? Right. But, well, that's that's relative. But Right. Is it though, man? But but what I'm thinking is, even if like you go to the future and you screw up the future future, it's like you know if you're far enough in the future, like who cares? You're not alive, and that's like exactly our mentality nowadays, anyway. So I can definitely see that happening. <laughs> hey, Dan, <laughs> something a, a date just popped in my head. Okay, uh, 1984, mm-hmm. which was when Terminator came out. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I thought that was when the telescreen was invented. Jim Cameron tackled time travel. Oh, you travel never read before. that book, did you? Probably Even though not. I bought it for well, you. Not. The original Terminator, though. I don't know. 
did it mess at all with the parallel timelines or was the first no. one? I mean, we shouldn't talk about it, right? Because, George, you've not seen the Terminator. I think, have you seen the original Terminator? You sh- uh, I think you should. It's something a very watch. long time ago. I don't. But my recollection is that the, the original Terminator, I haven't seen it in a while. The original Terminator deals with time travel in like a linear sense. But okay. that it's not until Terminator 2 that you end up with these kind of uh, Judgment Day, alternate future, did it happen, won't it happen, did we prevent it? And of course, by the time Terminator 2 is out, I think all of the Back to the Future movies have been completed. Yeah. Well, yeah, there's like a 10-year span there. But 84, they they can't talk about the changing of the future by their events because it hasn't happened yet. So when that, ha- when that movie... So I guess they tackled time travel before Back to the Future. But well, we time kinda, travel's been... I mean, yeah. going back to the... 30s and then i think in literature back to gosh the at least the 1700 uh, but uh, it never hit until i mean the, the rules the were established by back to the future right. as far as i can tell from my impression of uh people our age and younger and older mm-hmm. and dead and not yet dead and not yet born back to the future so i, I can get behind <laughs> your problem with the movie I, I i was a little nervous when you said that you had a problem that that's understandable. My oh. problem, again, like I said, was more of the social issues of date rape and this and that, like how they how they tackled it in a family movie. Yeah, there's other ways to get those two together at the dance, and my first my my first um idea is one of them. Where it's like, no, convince her to ask him out, mm-hmm. right? Figure out some way to do that, and then it doesn't have to be so extreme or happen on the night of the dance. You know what I mean, like. Right. You can just be a jerk to her. Like, plan it. Listen, I'm going to be a jerk to this chick, and you're going to... Save the day. Right? I'm going to save the day. And right. we're going to do this like through the, in, through the entire week, and then you're going to ask her to dance. Right. And she's going to say yes. Which I think the, the only thing keeping that is they wanted to show her as a, as a non-prude. So I think that's why they went that route. They wanted to show how different she is when he gets back to the future, mm-hmm. how much he f- affected both of them, and their behavior. She's no longer an alcoholic. They're both in love. Right. They're not in. They're not in love because they have to be. They're in love because they love each other, which is. A and lot also, better. he's not a pushover, so he's much more successful right. than than he was originally. Yeah, the way that this movie actually manages, and it's I guess it's just all Bob Gale and Bob Zemeckis. The the way that every character has not only an arc, but like a set amount of progress through their arc. You know, they mm-hmm. don't just perform tasks, but they also all grow in front of our eyes. But then in the end, none of it matters because of that certain twist ending, you know, right. and now everything's changed again. Like, you know, you have this nice sense of satisfaction that's just like ripped away because now we got to do something else. Like, it's <laughs> really good. We didn't touch on enough, uh, just for Lorraine's sake, the idea of her is like this... Uh, you know, Nurse Nightingale kind of person mm-hmm. who, you know, it, part of her connection is not just that she's boy crazy, but also that she got to care for George when he fell out of the tree and now Marty. And what a right. big component that is in her attraction to them. Like, you can't undersell that because they lean on that pretty heavy for why Marty wouldn't be able to just say, hey, listen, I've got a girlfriend back home and I'm not interested. So here's George. He's just as handsome, you know. Right. Uh, yeah. She's attached to Marty from from the jump because of that fall and her ability to like see him so vulnerable and all right. that stuff. Well, what's cool is that, like I said before, they they show in the very beginning how they're really not in love, and the reason why they're together and all the kids are kind of like rolling their eyes when they tell the story. You know, yeah, Grandpa hit him with the car, and <laughs> yeah, it's like so, good. so you can tell <laughs> that they tell the story 
the same with the same passion that their parents have for each other. But with the fact that now now George actually stands Stood up to up a for bully her, for right. her, or she, she fell up to in a, love a, with him. Exactly. So and, the love is real. It's not well, Nightingale. Well, anymore. and not it's, only not what well, she she fell in love. She fell in love with him anyway. Right. Like she was. She was. And and but the difference was that George didn't just just go along with it because he was a pushover like he wanted it and he like actually did something to get it right and you could tell her and she was like just enamored with him in a different way than a nightingale Well, i think she's enamored with him period right and he's the one that's watching tv and not paying attention well but i think we also i mean something else you could dive into here is by having George be the hero in like, you know, 1955 B or whatever we're at, but at that point, yeah. Uh, she is no longer receiving like a, a husband from her dad who hit a guy with a car. Right. right. Exactly. She's not being gifted someone. She's actually yeah. reaching for yep. this brass ring. It, it's yeah. a heck of a movie, dude. It's, it's, uh, yeah, yeah very well it really written. is. It's very so well good. written. Yeah. They don't make them like this anymore. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Do we talk about some of the gems? Like when, sure. When you watch it again, I was pointing this out to my boys. There's so many things that when you see them happen in the movie, and then you know what's coming, it makes more sense. Like when when he landed in 1955, and he's in the barn. They purposely in the beginning, even with like news clips and newspaper clippings, they show you everything you need to know. So you find out very early. They say stuff like Peabody's farm. And then you find out that's where the mall is built mm-hmm. on Peabody, Peabody Farm land. Yeah. Uh, they built the mall there when it was called the Twin Pines Mall. Yeah. They show you that sign when he runs up to, see, to meet with Doc. Mm-hmm. And the sign says Twin Pines Mall. When he leaves the barn in 1955, he takes out one of the trees. So when you get back to the future that and he runs. That tree's not there. tree's not there. So when, he runs, when he runs up to the mall. <laughs> Yeah, and he catches. He just gets there in time to watch Doc get shot. He runs past the sign, and it says "single." I think it's, it's like one lone, pine. I think it's lone, lone pine, pine mall. Lone pine mall. So <laughs> like that kind that. of stuff. <laughs> they purposely said, "Okay, we're going to show everything that Marty affected." Yeah, and you know what? I also thought when when uh, 1985 Marty in the yellow suit was driving the DeLorean around. Mm-hmm. I also thought. I guess I hope. When I watch this movie again, I'm gonna see, like the the just got back from 1955 Marty standing on the corner through the window. Right. Like I wonder if they did that because I never looked I, for that. I, I don't know, but like <laughs> after watching the movie, I thought that right. I was like, I wonder if like they, I wonder if they did that and I just didn't that's catch it. That's a special kind of awesome if that's there. I will I go and watch it. it again I don't know if it that. is or not because that means some serious thought went into that. Yeah. If they went back and put Marty up on the curb. Yeah, uh, and you see him up there. I doubt. No, they I don't did, know because I didn't watch it the second awesome. time. But that's what I'm going to be looking for right. the second time when I watch it, stuff like that. And when he gets to the town and he sees everything, and he sees the movie theater, and it says Ronald Reagan, another Eno- foreshadow yeah, to when Doc 80- says who's the who's the president. Mm-hmm. Yep. Like all these things are so there. And I I thought of that before before right before You're they like, said oh, it he's too. President in the and future. I saw I saw it on the sign. I was like, oh shoot, it's '85. He came from. He's president. Right. Yeah, and he's on the and side, like you know. Yeah, I was like, oh, I just. But you know, it's and true. then when it when it comes up, he's like, "Who's the president?" It's like Ronald Reagan. Ha ah, ha ha! Like, I was like, I knew that was gonna be something. Yeah. So just I I just love all that little all those little details. So you can still watch it five or six times, and you find new things. 
Well, and it's one of those things that's going to tie the movie to the 80s forever because Mm -hmm. nobody going back 30 years from 2020 would laugh at the... Never mind. (laughs) (laughs) So, George, here's the thing. We're going to make you watch a different movie for next week's film club. Yeah, well, yeah, you have to give me We're not going to let you just watch the trilogy and, and just enjoy that feeling for two more movies, but I'll tell you, in your free time, for some extra credit, you really ought to watch the other two movies. They are all made with that same amount of heart and that same craftsmanship. And they tie into each other in ways that, like, think of how much you've seen in this first movie. You have that much interconnection between all three movies, and you don't even know it yet. Right. Like, they were setting yeah. stuff up for you already, man. Yeah, oh, it's, it's almost so like good. it's it's almost like a George Lucas trilogy type thing where you watch it and, you know, everybody's like, oh, you had no idea. But then when you watch the third movie and you see tie-ins to the first movie, mm-hmm. like it was all thought out and planned out because yeah. they filmed both at the very same, just like Lord of the Rings, they filmed the exact same time and then they put them out a year away from each other. Right. But there's just so many references, even in the second one, to the first one that I would even watch the first one a couple times before you watch two. That way you can really t- savor all the nuggets okay. that they put in there for you. What's really crazy is you aren't ready to watch two yet because you don't know one well enough. But once mm-hmm. you watch two, you've got to watch one again mm-hmm. because you're going to learn one even better having seen two. And then you got to do it all over again for three, man. <laughs> it's, it's a heck of a trilogy. It's genius. <laughs> it's a different kind of thing from like, because I'm a big Dark Knight fan. I yeah. loved all three of those movies. And each one was made like, well, we're probably only going to do this one, so let's put it all in this one. Okay, we're going to do the right. second one. It's probably our last one. Let's put it all in here. And it benefited those movies in certain ways, but it's just, it, you can't touch that interconnectivity of the mm-hmm. Back to the Future saga. Absolutely. For sure. I agree 100%. So maybe you have not watched your favorite movie of all time, but maybe yeah. over time? No, not, probably not, the, not my favorite movie of all time. Yeah, no pun intended. Um, <laughs> oh. But uh, yeah, that just slipped out. I didn't mean to say that. But I am more of like a... Yeah, a real life kind of guy. Like, uh, I like a good tragedy. Like, right. You know, or thriller. But um, oh, speaking of uh, thrillers, did you see the other reference in the movie? Now, I don't think you might have noticed it because your age, but the judge at the audition for Marty. Oh, this is excellent. Yes. Yeah, he's too darn loud. He's that too guy. darn loud. Yeah, the, you know the guy at the beginning was like. Thank you. I remember the guy. Yeah, tell me. Tell that me was what Huey is. Lewis. <laughs> okay. And so Huey good. Lewis is the writer of all the music in the movie. Okay. So, including the song that Marty just shredded right. out on stage. <laughs> he just played a Huey Lewis in a news song right. in front of Huey Lewis, and Huey Lewis told him, "Thank no, you." No, no, it's yeah. too loud. Afraid you're just too darn no, loud. That too darn went over loud. my head too. Sorry. So yeah. <laughs> See, that's a, that's something for you to pick up on second watch. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I don't even know if you would even recognize him. Because he hasn't really been relevant. No, other I probably than, wouldn't recognize his face. Right. You're right. Well, recently he's been in the news because he's, I think, is either his hearing's going well, that's a or, shame. or something in his throat. So he's been retired. They were just too retired. darn loud. Just too yeah, darn loud. They were too just darn too loud. darn loud, yeah. Should have <laughs> taken his own advice. <laughs> just kidding. Love you. Listen, so, what are, so what other things uh, did this movie foreshadow in real life other than Huey Lewis Well, we haven't gotten hearing. to part two yet, man. Yeah, there's, there's some stuff in part two that, that is pretty genius. And foreshadows. And some of it will make your heart hurt a little bit. <laughs> Just so bad. Uh, Can we discuss how awesome 
I, I I forget his name in real life, but when you look at the three movies, you'll see what I'm talking about. The the guy who plays Biff. Oh, Thomas Wilson. Yes. Uh, so just, wonderful. Thomas Wilson, yeah. Just his ability to be Biff at all ages <laughs> and never fall out of character and be an asshole in every aspect of age group and time periods. Like, it's just, he's playing different characters, but they're all the same yeah. character, yeah. almost to the point where they're saying the same things. Yeah. You know, the, you know, make like a tree and get out of here line <laughs> so is so good. <laughs> but he has a bunch of other ones that come up later. And then you get to see him as an old guy. Like I'm not going to give it All away right. for you, but it, it's it's great how they tie the two, the three movies together, but mostly one and two. Okay. You get to really see the genius that is Biff. Well, and if you want more extra credit, George, uh, for this curriculum we're running, there's a slasher movie called April Fool's Day. Don't watch it yet. You're not ready. But okay. when we get there, uh, he plays a completely different character in the movie. Okay. And you realize right away that this movie is made back to back with Back to the Future. And this mm -hmm. guy is just that good of an actor that he convinces you he is that guy. Just like, nice. Uh, what's his name on Friends? Joey, right? Joey, that, yeah. He's, he's dumb as a box of hammers, and that has hampered that actor's career because everybody thinks he really is that dumb. Right. Uh, same thing. Everybody thinks he is Biff to the point that you can actually find there's a song uh, by Thomas Wilson, Biff's Question Song. And it's just basically him answering all the same questions that everyone has asked him for 30 years wow. in a song. And I highly recommend <laughs> it. <laughs> all right, I'll check that out. <laughs> I met him at a con, and he's a really nice guy. So uh, what's my... I mean, obviously, this well, is... The, uh, we're well, coming to the end of class, right? Let's yeah. not put the cart before the horse now. The bell's about to ring. I just have to ask you. Yes. Do you feel like, having watched Back to the Future in this kind of like forced setting, right? At gunpoint, essentially. <laughs> Yeah. Two things. Do you feel like we picked you a good movie? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, and then the other thing. Yeah. Do you feel like after one movie that you are a better movie watcher than you were before, having been like forced to concentrate on the film itself and not the world around you while you watch it? That's a loaded question. Yeah, I was kind of aware of that already. I I was pretty aware of that because you know we would have conversations and you know have you seen this or that. And a lot of the times I would say, yeah, but not really. I mean, I wasn't really paying attention to it. That's something that I know about myself. So you knew you had to pay attention because yeah. we were going to talk about it. Yeah, so I guess to the answer to that question is, am I a better movie watcher? Yes, but I knew I had to be. Hmm. I knew I had to work on that. So I think it's a lot like listening to an album versus listening to a playlist on uh, Spotify. You know, it's a different skill. It's very similar <laughs> in yeah. execution, but it is a different skill. And hopefully we can foster that uh, in you a little bit to where maybe, you know, by uh, the third or fourth or 25th movie, you'll be able to kind of enter that mode where it is just you and the movie and the world is gone for a little bit. Yeah. Uh, it, it adds a lot of value, not only to your attention span to the movie, but it also just, it's, it's better for you to get away. Maybe that's, uh, maybe that's why I never really watched a lot of movies because... You know, I never let myself get taken away like you guys did. Well, hopefully you get to a point where you can, you're watching the movie, but you're also starting to see, because it is a film class, George. It's a film class. Of course. Of course. So you'll, you know, Very you start, serious business. <laughs> you start picking up on the, the plot lines and the character development and it becomes yeah. part of your review where, mm -hmm. you know, it's not so much, well, this movie made me feel good or made me feel bad or this or that. 
you start talking about the I don't think we need to get into like cinematography and all that stuff, but just plot lines and 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 I love character development and foreshadowing and just yeah. the 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 techniques that are used to storytell. Absolutely. And I think that's what you're going to come away with is cuz I'll sit and I'll watch a movie and not think of any of that stuff. But as someone who's done acting and done some directing, not film-wise, but directing. Yeah. Um bedroom you stuff start, mostly. Yeah, be- bedroom stuff. Shh. Um <laughs> <laughs> My wife is going to listen to this. Um no, she's <laughs> no, she's not. She's gonna say seriously. <laughs> I'm not watching that. I have too many uh, things to do. Um, yeah, you're gonna start picking up on the stuff that they do talk about in film class, and you're gonna while you're watching the movie, you're going, "Oh my god, I'm worrying about character development." And then yeah. you start watching things, and you're like, "All right, that was that was lazy, or that was yeah. genius." And then you're not just watching it for fun; you're watching it to learn something, and then you start learning stuff by certain directors. Let me ask you guys a question. Does anything in movies surprise you anymore? You know what? I'm going to answer this. Uh, I watched one the other day, The Corruption of Chris Miller. Right? It's a Spanish giallo, for those of you who like to talk about nerdy things like that. And All, all three of you out there that are... Something <laughs> happened in that movie that I can't talk about, but there, there is a certain predetermined twist, and it should not have landed because it should have been easy to predict. But... The director was so good at keeping me... Basically, it was the sleight of hand, right? He mm. kept me so busy, even though I've seen a thousand Jollos, kept me looking at his moving, distracting hand that I didn't see him pointing at this very obvious twist. Mm. And so when the twist happened, for the first time in probably 30 movies, 40 movies, 50 movies, in a long time, I went, oh, you got me, which mm. is yeah. a great feeling having seen every movie in that genre. So still it does every now and then. Just, just less, less often. There's that feeling. There it is yeah. again. My issue is I watch, ever since I saw The Sixth Sense, which you have seen, right? It, that, that's one okay. that I wasn't sober for, yes. Okay, so after seeing <laughs> The Sixth Sense, that We can mo- talk about Sixth Sense. I know okay. what happens. Yeah. That movie made me start paying attention more uh, because I was mad at myself that I didn't catch it right away. And I'm so good at figuring out who the murderer is or who this mm. is, and I, and then I'll lean over to Jen like halfway through the movie, and I'm like that's the bad guy. Another Shyamalan movie did that for me. What, what was that? Unbreakable. Yes, Unbreakable. And was... I remember the scene. I re- okay. it was when they were in the the in the shop, and right. uh, what's his name? The Sam Jackson. Yes, he's explaining how the villain has has exaggerated features, yes. and you know, and I'm like, I'm looking at him standing there, and I'm like. He has a huge head. Yeah, he's a superhero. Like, he's, he's got villain. a really skinny, and he's also the exact opposite so, of the hero. I was like, he's got the, you know, right. the frail bones. And I'm like, it, it was that moment where I was yeah. like, same, di- same director. I right. was like, oh. And what ruins it is, for me, what ruins it is now every time I watch a Shyamalan movie, I'm looking for the twist the whole time. Yeah. And then when yeah. the twist doesn't happen, the movie that was in my head was better than the movie I watched. Yeah. And that well, happened and he, twice. Shyamalan is a really interesting case because he did serve the twist for so many movies. Mm-hmm. But he, he did. did so in such a way that the movie had no rewatchability. Like, he oversold the twist. Right. He over-relied on the twist. To the point mm-hmm. that you can't watch Sixth Sense again without being like, oh, yeah, well, because he's, you know, 
right. or like signs. It's, it's good to oh, watch it a gosh. second time. You can watch it a second time just to just, just to catch to, all the references, just to be aware of how blind you were. Right, and they do that to you at the end of the movie. They show you everything you missed. Yeah, and and then when I watched Unbreakable, I watched it differently, and that's a movie you can watch over and over again. I watched it differently because I knew from the beginning that the twist wasn't that uh, Sam Jackson Glass was the villain. Mm -hmm. There was no twist in that movie, to me, personally. Yeah. It was just a a real way to tell a story, a superhero comic book movie. Mm -hmm. And it was before, I believe it was before Singer did X-Men, and it was definitely before uh, Nolan did Batman. Mm -hmm. So it was like one of the first times where someone really kind of attempted to show superheroes in real life. Can I tell you, Trev, I watched that, I watched that movie not knowing it was a superhero movie. Okay. Yeah, the marketing the, at the and, time was that it was just the new movie from Shyamalan. So for right. me, the twist yeah. was, oh, and it's a superhero movie, which right. was a bonus because, you know, woo. It was great. Yeah. No, it, and, it was well it, hid. Yeah, and when you're watching it, like even when you're watching it, you don't realize it's a superhero movie right. until like the last because Bruce Willis plays it so well to where he just kind of, he's so ho-hum about it. Yeah. And he's not like, I will save you. Like, he's not a superhero <laughs> right. at all. He, yeah. He's he's in denial the whole time. Yeah. But, um. I'm going to plug it right here. I was not, that was not a twist for me because I right. was watching it. So I, I kind of caught on to him and I was like, okay. And then I watched The Village and I'm like, all right, there's no real twist. Oh, there is a twist, but it's not as good as I thought it was going to be. That was and terrible. Then, and then yeah. Signs, there was no twist at all. It was just, that was yeah, terrible they too. are being invaded, and they are, like, to me, I kind of caught on to him quick, but Sixth Sense, I can still watch multiple Sons, times. Sons was terrible because, like, the, the things that made, the, the, that, that made it come together in the end were, like, so obscure right. that it, it was like, swing I think away. The, come on, the come twist, on. The twist of that break. movie didn't happen. In my mind, as I watched it, I thought it was, they kind of set it up this way, but it never happened. I thought it was all happening inside of Mel Gibson's head. I thought it was him dealing with his own demons. Mm. And the way they did the whole seclusion in the house. And well, it, was, it wasn't. It was actual it was aliens. Actual alien and you invasion. actually had exactly. to hit them with water to kill them. I would have loved it if it was all happening in his head. Somehow, twist-wise, not, not a uh, lazy way to, as a twist. By the but... way, this is how I act when I don't like a movie. <laughs> 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 like that was terrible. Yeah, but then no, Mel fine. Gibson called that alien sugar tits, and it all worked out. <laughs> <laughs> Forgot about that. As uh, he got so, in the car. So George, we've yeah, man. we've come to the end of your first lesson. Are you ready for your next lesson? Yeah, obviously. That's, right. that's why I'm here. That's why I'm. That's why I'm paying you money for this class. <laughs> so coming up on our next episode. <laughs> We're going to be putting George through maybe the most famous thriller of all time. I don't think I'm overselling it. No. He's going to be watching Alfred Hitchcock's Psycho. Psycho. And that's all we're going to say about it, because we don't want George to have any kind of um, preconceived notions about what he's about to get himself into. And you definitely have not seen Psycho. You have not seen any of the sequels, nothing. I... No. Prequels, nothing. Okay, good. I didn't know there was a movie called Psycho. What? I've seen, oh. I mean, the. I've seen American <laughs> Psycho. I know totally that's not the same. same thing. Okay, definitely so. a different thing. Don't, don't let that movie cloud your expectations yeah. for the, the actual movie called Psycho from okay. 1960, directed by Alfred Hitchcock and starring, uh, as my college professor called him, uh, Tony <laughs> Perkins. They were, they were close. 
Oh wow. They they weren't close. He just called him, <laughs> called him Tony Perkins for some it's reason. It's like calling De Niro Bobby. Yeah. So yeah. My 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 friend had a professor that would refer to his first wife all the time. And then one time, his wife came to the class to like drop something off to him, and he's like, "Oh, this is my first wife." And she's like, "I'm your only wife." He's like, "Well, still my first. Technically, I mean, he's not wrong. No, he's not." Well, George, yeah, Travis, about this. thank you for joining us in the remedial film class podcast. You can find us online at Twitter and Instagram at, at remedial film pod. You can also find us at facebook.com backslash remedial film pod. And of course, email us at remedial film pod at gmail.com. Yeah.